Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a weekly dive into death-defying discussions of Catholic culture, tradition, and history. I'm Matt Baker, and with me is a man who is in a hotel room in Phoenix, Arizona, Zach Mabry. Zach, how is that hotel room looking? Um, it's great. It looks like every uh, Aloft hotel room ever, and uh, I, uh, I appreciate the consistency. That's uh that's why people stay there because it's very consistent. Tweet us at Roman Circus Pod. I'm at Hey It's Matt Baker. Zach is at Zach Mabry, Z A C Mabry. You can email us podcast at RomanCircusBlog.com. Find us on iTunes. Rate and review us if you want. You can also find us on Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. All right, Zach. It's been a couple weeks. Any. Any important news, any big going-ons in the world of Zach Mabry? Hmm. Well, so this weekend I took um, kind of a long weekend, a four-day break from my social media, which was nice because I got to spend time with my family and really sort of be present with them because I, you know, I couldn't go check Instagram and uh, anything. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with the way that stories work on, like, Instagram and Snapchat – the reason I waited until Tuesday to get back on was I had to wait until, uh, you know, everybody's stories from Sunday expired. Otherwise, I didn't really leave the weekend. Oh, you interesting, know? interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it was nice. It was good. That's good. Still uh, still caffeine-free, still no no coffee. How's that? What, did you like, I saw your tweet said that your waking up has never been easier. Yeah, no, it's crazy. So, I mean, uh, you know, I'm used to, like, rolling out of bed after snoozing my alarm several times. Right. And then, you know, rolling straight into the kitchen, making coffee to get some life in me. Mm. And honestly, now that I'm a full two weeks out, I don't I don't really miss the coffee. And uh, I don't know. It's like my energy levels aren't so dependent on when I last had coffee. They just sort of come naturally. So I'm, I'm awake in the morning. In the evenings, I can be pretty alert, you know, and I don't have to drink coffee to do that and mess up my sleep. And it's, uh, it's, it just feels like a more steady energy that I can kind of manage instead of just drinking coffee and, you know, being wired. So, right. yeah, everyone give up your coffee, I'm telling you. Sell, sell, sell. This podcast will not be brought to you by Starbucks anytime soon, I guess. We just we just burnt that entire bridge. Well, I still love the sandwiches and I'm I'm not sure if my sandwich consumption is gonna keep me Starbucks gold, but uh mm. that's not an accomplishment I'm super proud of anyway, so You do love you know. the uh Gouda bacon sandwich. What is it called? The yeah, no, it's uh bacon egg and gouda yeah sandwich it used to be called something like artisan sandwich and then they they started having so many sandwiches they had to give it a real name of like what's in it but yeah no the bacon egg and gouda some, they're good sometimes i'll get two. Oh wow i know i'll be like can you get two one for me and one for my friend and i'm my friend so it's fair zach mabry will be rolling into a city near you sometime soon <laughs> basically basically yeah that's awesome what about you matt how's uh how's your life uh life is good i went to disneyland a couple weekends ago with my cousin she came into town from phoenix 
And, uh, yeah, she texted me a few months ago, and she said that she wanted to go to Disneyland, and she would pay for me because her mom didn't want to go with her. Actually, her mom would pay for me, so I could chaperone my already out-of-college adult cousin to Disneyland. Uh, like, she needs a chaperone. But, yeah, it was great, man. It was... uh. Disneyland is a fun time. Have you been to Disneyland out here or Disney World or anything? It has been a very long time. I've been to Disney World several times. I love Disney World. Right. Um, I haven't been to Disneyland in... I was probably a kid, but I was about eight years old the last time I went to Disneyland. Okay. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great experience for all ages. I... We were, we, it wasn't that crowded, so we flew through most of the rides, which is fun. And then we just spent the back half of the day just doing rides again or doing some of the, some of the movie rides like Little Mermaid and, uh, you know, Snow White, all that type of stuff. Yeah. Towards the, (laughs) towards the end of the day, we went into Toontown, which, uh, they probably didn't have when you were there last, but, Maybe they did, but they have a Roger Rabbit ride, and the line, the wait, it said the wait was only like a half hour or something, but it ended up, ended up being like a full hour, which was way too long to wait for this particular ride. Uh Uh-huh. But while we're waiting, you know how they, in the lines, you know, they, it's, it's not just ran, it's not just lines that's part of the experience you know they have the like the character uh characters along the the lines and they have scenes from the movie and all that stuff so it yeah at least kind of keeps you entertained we get to a part where there's a cage and there's pipes and there's some barrels and i actually can't tell if it's part of the part of the experience or if it's just like a place that they decided to stick pipes and barrels because there's no real distinct markings of Roger Rabbit. It's also there. Right. There, there's also no water, which you uh, you're wondering why I say that. But there are a ton of coins at the bottom of this cage, right? So there's no usually if there are coins, that means there's been water and people make a wish or do whatever pagan nonsense they want to do into it, and. Right. Uh, but Disneyland, and what I think in an effort to taunt us, what they did is there's so much change at the bottom of this little area. Like I'm hundreds of dollars of change, like obscene, maybe thousands. It's an obscene number. There's dollar bills. There's all, all the change. Uh, what they did, instead of picking it up, they basically just swept it into a nice, neat little pile in the corner. So you stand there and you see that this place makes so much money that they don't even care about $1,000 of change on the ground, right? But what that gets other people to do is, I looked at my cousin and I was like, well, why would people throw change in there? You're already already spending tons of money here why give them some of your money for free right surely no one would be that dumb but while i'm saying this you hear people like giggling and pulling change out of their pockets and just throwing change into this hole on top of this piled up 
pile of change. Like it, it offers, there's no water, so you can't even claim you're making a wish. It's just you throwing coins onto a pile of coins because someone else did it before you. We just put up the sign and people started paying us. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, yeah, so they we're just sitting here because the wait was so long. We're in this area for a while just staring at this pile of change thinking how genius Disney is that they got they found a spot where people are giving them money for nothing and they don't even care about it so they just sweep it into a nice little pile yeah that's my disneyland story what i always think about with disney world is is that the snow white ride is unnecessarily scary i like it, there's no reason it should be that scary i actually talked to my cousin about this too is we went on the Little Mermaid ride, and the reason I wanted to do it is because I remember it freaking me out as a kid. And Yeah, with the immodesty. <laughs> yeah, that too. But you also get onto the ride, and all of a sudden you're confronted by a giant Ursula. Like a giant animatronic Ursula. It's, it's scary, man. And then you're right, with Snow White, you get the witch in the, her little like old decrepit form popping out at you yeah yeah it's legitimately scary man it is it is for the kids and for me yeah that they know what they're doing don't let's not buy into the myth that disneyland doesn't know what they're doing zach they know exactly what they're doing oh yeah yeah so yeah, scaring the kids and the grown-ups. We ran around that for a while, and uh, you know, got splashed at Splash Mountain, and got Matterhorned at Matterhorned, and uh, Big Country Thunder Mountain Railroaded on Thunder Mountain Railroad. You know, all the all the Dread stuff. Space Mountain. Oh yeah, Space Mountain. That's great. They they redid it a little bit. They redid it unnecessarily and added some Star Wars stuff to it, which actually they didn't need to do, but whatever. But Space Mountain... Yeah, it, that doesn't make sense. Right. It, That's a galaxy far away. <laughs> but they... Uh, they Yeah, it's, they, it's so dark and enclosed in there that it really messes with your senses. And all I could think about is... It felt so tiny in there that if you even raise your hand an inch that it's going to get lopped off. And all I could think about is how would 7 foot 7 Yao Ming ride this ride, Zach? How would a how would you know, a Sean Bradley or Manute Bull possibly have fun on this ride? It's true. They need like a they need goofy out there saying like you must be this tall but this short to ride this ride. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, your head will fall off. But um, is anything happening in the news? I I found this cool trick that if you stop watching the news, nothing happens. Oh yeah, no, I I don't know. I I don't pay attention to that much. I just uh, I just check Twitter and see what things we're arguing about, and like all the nothings were turning into somethings. I just do. Right. I just look at that. I just find like uh, 
here's my problem with Catholic dating thing. And then uh, I read a few tweets and realize that all these problems aren't actually problems. We're just fighting ghosts. Yes, like these very tedious critiques of nobody. <laughs> yeah. And then it, uh, yeah, no, it's great because then everybody is turned off of Catholic dating and no one wants to do it anymore. Right. And I mean, then we don't have enough people getting married. We don't have enough babies, which means there's not going to be enough nuns. Yeah. We're all like, incels, Zach. Incels. Incels. It took me forever to figure out what that means. So for the listeners, it means involuntary celibate. Right. And it's basically guys that... Be delicate. Are... <laughs> They're in their 30s now. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's basically these like frustrated, you know, video game obsessed guys that, that never found mates and wanted to. And I I don't really understand all the things. I, I will say that that's, that's a growing problem um, because of things like the one child policy in China. There are like, it's like 70 million more men than women there. That's so, insane. You're going to have a lot of incels there. Right. Um, well, I think the idea but, is that these incels grow up and that's who does all the terrorist stuff. I think, isn't that what they were trying to link it to? Yes, but I mean, the uh, the guy from Vegas that was shacking up with the Filipino, he, he had been married and divorced and it was had a live-in girlfriend i mean you don't have to be an incel to to be a shooter yeah but um, he was but he also wasn't in his 20s and 30s and playing the video games all the time or whatever how old was he i mean he's like isn't he like in his 50s i don't know yeah no but i mean of all your different like sort of classes of murderer you have those <laughs> creepy the scary one but i mean i guess i don't know maybe they were all involuntarily celibate i don't know i don't know i googled it so now it's like all i it's a now i, now I get all these things from like match.com and, yeah now you have to you know where they ask you your gender on forums now they're gonna ask you if you're an incel <laughs> This, yeah. It's just a sounds like a chance to work on some virtue that all these poor, poor men are just passing up. Right. I'm like, I'm not an incel. I'm lonely by choice. <laughs> You're just a I cell. Chose this life. Yeah, I, I chose this life. Yeah. A cho cell? A cho cell. A, uh, let's see, a vo cell? Yeah. It's really a shame yeah. that. Not everybody in the world listens to this podcast to uh, appreciate all the hard-hitting terms we come up with. Yeah, and just the 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 intellectually stimulating commentary on world events. Yeah. Um, I assume that the news is still really consumed with the fact that Donald Trump is the president, which will never stop being hilarious. It's to me. It's still going on. It's going on for at like, least. It'll be happening for at least what six more years at this point. And once they once they become 
our uh, royalty. Who's next in line for the throne? Um, isn't Don Jr. the oldest? Oh, man. Yeah. Bring it on. Bring it on. Um, <laughs> well, that's... So... You know, on that, I, I I don't know how people aren't bored at talking about it. I mean, I will admit, anytime that he does something serious, like a State of the Union, I just think so far, I'm just like, it's so funny to me that Donald Trump is our president. Like, it's like I forget it in between, like, super important ceremonial type functions. That's what, um, that's what this guy on Twitter, Red Steez, Stephen Miller said right around the time of his election was you, you guys are forgetting all the ceremonial stuff will be president Donald Trump ceremonial stuff now. Like he'll have his own library. He'll have, you know, all the other stuff that comes with being president. So, yeah. I wonder his library will be like in Vegas. Yeah. The only book will be Art of the Deal. Yeah, you don't need anything else. Like every it'll every channel on loop will just be the Apprentice reruns. Or the Gorilla Channel. Or the Gorilla Channel. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was, I, I mean, I thought that was funny, and then people were like, Is that serious? Yeah. <laughs> like staffers set up a channel on the lawn. It is one of the all time best tweets. The Gorilla Channel tweet. It was pretty good. I did see James Comey's book uh, on sale at the airport today. Yeah. It did not appear to be flying off the shelves. <laughs> Poor guy. I know. I was like, um, if I wanted to read a book, this would not be the book for me. Yeah. Yeah, I saw some lady with that book the other day, and I wanted to just ask her, like, Why? Why? I just, yeah, if you wanted to pick a more smug person to write a book. Um, yeah. I I don't know. Have, have you been reading any good books lately? Uh, like uh, faith-wise or just in general-wise? Um, well, I guess we could, uh, we could go any direction with that. Um, Obviously, we're a Catholic podcast, so we can talk more faith-wise, but uh, I'm sure the other books you read are, are good and wholesome and worthy of recommendation. Yeah, I mean, kind of. <laughs> more, more, Maury C. Moose, obviously, first. Maury C. Moose. Those are the... There's four of them. Own all four. If you don't, you should. Maury C. Moose and the Forest Noel. Maury C. Moose and the Facebook. Maury C. Moose and the other one. I, <laughs> you really caught me off guard with talking about my brother's books here, Zach. I just like to plug them. Yeah, no, he appreciates I have, it. I have Maury C. Moose in the Facebook. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Yeah, I liked it. Um, Maury C. Moose and uh, the Ninja Warrior. And then Maurice Moose and the basketball champ pun, pun ship. Champ pun ship, like puns. A lot of puns in these books, I, I assume. Yeah, that's all. That's that's what he loves. My brother loves the puns. Um, I, I've been reading 
I like reading books about sports seasons. So, like, I read one about the Phoenix Suns. They covered an entire season of them, like one about one about Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and I'm currently reading one about Bobby Knight and Indiana basketball from the 80s. I just like the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of uh, the teams and what they go through. I don't, I don't know if I've said this on here, but I don't read a ton of fiction, actually. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't read a lot of fiction. I've been, for like over a year now, I've been reading uh, Don Quixote. Like, I'll pick it up and read a few chapters, and then I'll put it down for a while. Over a year um, now? How long is well, it? Well, I mean, it's like an 800-page book. Okay. Um, so, it's yeah, it's quite long. It's a hefty volume. Um, and then, obviously, I love Brideshead Revisited, and that's fiction. I just finished that, um, by the way. I forgot to tell you. What did you think of it? Um, I enjoyed it. We we could we should do like a whole podcast on that. I think. On Brideshead, okay. Because well, it, you know, everyone listening can uh, can go read it ahead of the podcast, so that way we can talk about it. But Brideshead. Revisited by Evelyn Woe. Yeah, I also um, I fantastic I work of literature. Read it and I followed up by watching the movie that came out in two thousand eight. Yeah, have you oh, seen really? that? I haven't seen that. No. It has Matthew Good in it, who is legally obligated to be in every English period piece ever. Makes he, sense. He's in the Crown, he's in Downton Abbey, he's in this. Yeah. So he's found his specialty. Yeah, he's carved out a real niche niche. But yeah, I liked it. That I uh that's one of the few fiction I've read few fiction books I've read recently. Nice. Um I know you that's one of your favorites. You write you reread it, didn't you don't you reread Well, I, I reread parts of it. I need to do like a full reread. I just always keep getting busy. Right. But yeah, no, I mean I'm, I love it. It's one of my favorites to read um there's just so many little things to pick out and things you notice about each character and characters you relate to and whatnot so it's quite good um another book i'm reading actually it's by um i've mentioned this author before dq McInerney. Mm-hmm. um he's actually a professor at uh, our lady of guadalupe seminary in nebraska and the book is called philosophical psychology mm-hmm. and what it does is, so it's, it is a philosophy book, but it's very accessible. It's written for, you know, I mean, I can read it. So any, anyone listening to this can definitely read it. Um, it's, uh, you know, psychology basically began with Aristotle. And what this book sort of does is it, it, it represents um, the sort of philosophical basis for human psychology. So it really starts out with like, what is life? And then you have, different levels of life, like vegetative life, you Mm -hmm. know, plants and stuff. Right. Uh, Sensitive life, that's like your animals, your dogs, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, rational life, that's, you know, humans. And what, you know, there's, you know, plants have a vegetative soul, you know, animals and sensitive creatures have a sensitive soul, humans have a rational soul. You know, it kind of goes through that. I haven't finished it yet, Um, but it, you know, it kind of outlines like the whole nature of that. And it's, it's neat because, you know, you know, if you were to go to a, 
a psychologist, they're probably, you know, helping with like a behavioral therapy type thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know, that has to be kind of grounded in a correct understanding of philosophy. So that's why I thought that this book would be neat because it just gives such an overview that is sort of lacking. Like you kind of think of, of a psychologist as someone who just like listens to people cry or, right. you know, like psychology is, you know, it's not an empirical science. It's really a philosophical science. And so, um, you know, it's not like biology or chemistry or, or physics where you're going to get the same results every time you do the same thing, but it, it does fit within these like kind of structures of philosophy. So it, it's very interesting. Um, I haven't finished it yet, but I highly recommend it based on what I've read so far and then others who have recommended it to me. Um, it's pretty good. It's good stuff. So it's like a, uh, it's like a companion for, therapy basically um i mean i could be i think it would it would definitely help people understand where therapy fits into the picture like it's right. not itself a therapy book sure um but it does get down to like you know like we've talked before about the senses the five external senses and then the four internal senses and let me let me say it right this time so the internal senses of the common sense power that you know, is able to take what you see, hear, touch, and unite that into one thing. Right. And then the imagination. Right. And then the memory. Right. And then the cogitative power. Thank you. Is that right? That is correct. What does the cogitative Finally, power do, Zach? It abstracts. Right. <laughs> what, is, what does it do? It ass- Remind us what it does. It assesses, assesses, it associates, and it abstracts. And prepares yeah. the prepares the image for abstraction. Right. Right. So it talks through that, and then it talks through the passions. So, like, you know, fear and despair and audacity and hope right. and anger and, you know, how, how things can get out of whack. And, you know, I mean, that's where I think it probably, you know, the idea maybe of therapy is to get all that stuff put back in order. So it's good to understand what, what is man and what are all these different things that happen. Um, you know, obviously you've got like wacky stuff like from Freud and, you know, that obviously didn't really help a lot of people and was super weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the more, the more modern stuff that's going on, I think it, it, it can be valid if it, if it knows its place, if that makes sense. Right. Like you can't explain the entirety of it person by their behavior mm-hmm. but if you understand where behavior fits into the human person then you can you know make progress there sure. and so um and it, you know since virtue you know is is like a natural thing that that's you know faculty i think it's you know if you understand psychology and those things you can become more virtuous at least i hope hence i'm reading the book makes sense checks out checks out checks out so that's philosophical psychology by dq McInerney, and it's actually it's not on amazon you have to go to the fraternity publishing service so if you google that um since he's a, a professor at our lady of guadalupe seminary which is the fraternity of saint peter's Sem- uh, seminary i'm looking at it right now yeah nice you can also buy you can also buy the introduction to the science of mental health by father ripiger and the good part about what I like about Father Ripiger is his quotes translate so well to Twitter. 
Like what you do, what you do, you read Father Ripiger, and then you pick like half of a quote of his, and you just blast it out onto Twitter. Yeah, and then like at a stranger, ideally. (laughs) Yeah, at a stranger, and it it comes across so timely and so appropriately that there's no that there's no chance it would ever start a Twitter fight. So, yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you listen to enough of his talks or read his books, you know that he loves nothing more than to, um, you know, upset people by giving them half-truths. So Yeah, no, yeah. that's a big thing of his. It's really great. So, um, I did see a funny tweet. I don't even remember who it was, but it said, does it not... Like this is it not funny to anyone that the priest that all the trads are obsessed with is literally named Chad. <laughs> yeah, you know who that. And I had to look it up because I I didn't realize that was his first name. You know I, who I, you know I, who I, that was, Zach. That was our that was loyal listener Hannah. Was it? Yeah, that's so funny. That's true. That is a Hannah joke. Yeah, okay, no, well, that, that was, tweet made me laugh. Yeah, that was a good one. I saw that too. I liked it. Um. Yeah. That's but yeah. So get that. I mean, if you get the DQ McInerney philosophical psychology, and then the the, the Father Ripper um, introduction, of the devout life, you uh, you'd have a pretty good start at being like a little philosopher psychologist. You could probably charge an hourly rate. I mean, that's illegal, <laughs> but you could try. No one's stopping you. Yeah, that's good. That uh, I I just got done the last book I read. Actually, not the last one, but it was the one before. It was The Power of Silence by Cardinal Sarah. Um Oh, very nice. I um I actually downloaded the audiobook of that and then yeah. I'm just sitting there waiting for it to start and then I realize like it's been that's the book and so um it it's better to read because it's I used to yeah, I used to uh, that that joke just fell flat. <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> That's sorry, I talked over it. I got it. I used to say Cardinal Sarah, but then I listened to heard Damian Thompson say Cardinal Sarah, and I now that's the only way I want to say it. Cardinal Tomato. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then because they they did that contrast between Cardinal Sarah and then Bishop Sarah, mm-hmm. and yeah, that like exceedingly polite but somewhat fierce debate between Damian and the Anglican. Oh, that was so good. The Holy Smoke podcast, they started, yeah, they, it was the, I didn't even realize that they were, it was a debate and that they were like poking at each other until it was over because it was so polite and so English. Right. No, it's funny. I was like, if you turn on the TV uh, and, you know, at any point in the 36 hour news cycle, you'll see people screaming at each other about just the most tedious things like net neutrality or whatever. And, and then you you listen to this podcast coming over from Britain, and they're like they're having like fundamental disagreements about like important matters, and then they're like giggling and and you know, I mean it, it's just interesting that that was a pretty serious conversation, but they kept it you know it was polite and cordial, and right. you don't see a lot of that at least not on TV. Um, so yeah, no, that was great. Really, really enjoyed. So, it. Cardinal Sarah, you you read about silence. Yeah, it was good. I, I think I've, I think I talked about it before, but it, uh, how the I've said this 
that I'm not like really good at being silent. So it was good. It was a good affirmation or good, uh, you know, good reasons on why we need to be silent. Cause one of the quotes was when man, when man destroys silence, he assassinates God, which was, uh, Whoa. yeah, pretty intense. I think I've even said that before, but it's worth worth repeating on this podcast i can't sometimes i can't remember what i've said on this podcast and what i've just said to myself in my dark apartment like a crazy person yeah i i definitely experienced that yeah him Uh, writing the book about silence though i look at i look at cardinal saran i think so what's he not saying yeah you know like i mean he's he's right there in the holy see yeah he's he's probably seeing a lot he's not he's like letting everyone know like by the way well that's uh i'm i'm being silent yeah if you want to you don't know about what if you want to stir up a lot of controversy zach yeah i i just prefer to read it for what it is just a lovely book that's true just a lovely book on silence one of the one of the books I've read in the past few months is uh, my buddy Leo. His name's Leo Severino. And he wrote a book called Going Deeper, A Reason Exploration of God and Truth. Huh. And what I like about this book is, so Leo is basically the one who helped. I mean, he, I don't know if this don't know if I want to attribute this entire podcast to him or where I'm at spiritually, but he definitely played a huge role. Like I would like to think that through the grace of God, we would be here regardless. Right. Right. But I mean, he, so we, we, the, the friends and I out here met him about seven years ago at this point. And he he had a you know reversion, and he just fell in love with the faith and everything about it, and just couldn't stop learning about it for years and years and years, and put together this series of talks called "Going Deeper." And he, the Saint Ignatius Press, was on him about doing a series of books, so he came out with his first one, which is basically his talks his first talk in book form, which is Mm -hmm. helpful for me because I've heard his first talk so many times, but now there's actually like a physical document. That's not my scribbled notes in, in, you know, just a pile of notes that I could give to people. And it, and it, it's good because it just kind of starts at the basics of just trying to explain that there is a God, not a, not like a Catholic God or a Mormon God or an any, any type of God, just the basics of there is a God. Yeah. Like what can be known just through natural reasoning. Right. So it's, and it's, it's easy read. Well, it's, I, I mean, I guess I, like I said, I, I, I've heard his talks a ton. So it's easy. I guess it's easier for me cause I just kind of read it knowing what he was going to say. But even then I think it is kind of a basic good introduction of 
um, what, how, you know, how we can kind of put things together about trying to go about that there is a God, which, which we, we always want to dive into the, the intense, like the very specific stuff that will make us sound smart. You know, if you ever get in a talk with an atheist or someone about that, you you always want to bring out the big guns, but sometimes you just have to start very basic. So he goes over, you know, like the immaterial, the omnipresent, the intelligence, like omniscience, just all this this stuff. Well, all of that can be worked out. None of that requires um, a Bible. None of that requires, you know... Um, any documents from the magisterium, all of that, you know, if you, if you took someone smart enough on like a deserted Island and they just kind of kept, you know, kept uh, pressing forward and kept, you know, trying to eliminate contradictions in their arguments and kept going, they would eventually arrive at these same conclusions. Mm -hmm. Those, you know, that they're, they're being a God and one God and he doesn't have any parts and um, you know, all of that. You know, you need, you, Jesus had to come, you know, the second person of the Holy Trinity had to come down to earth to explain that there's a Trinity right? and all of that. Um, but the fact that there's one God, no one had to explain that, that can be known just through reason. I mean, as long as you're reasoning, uh, you know, clearly and effectively, you'll, you'll get to that conclusion, you know, surely. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm looking at, the Amazon reviews and it's all oh, it's good. It's on Amazon, okay. Yeah, it's on Amazon. That's where you can get it. But it's there. There's one review that just says, "No, I bought this for my mom. She loves reading good Christian books. She wasn't thrilled with this book. She said that she couldn't get into it. I don't recommend this book." Which, uh, you know, I, I guess she's probably reading. Uh, Christian garbage. That's that's my response to this. She's like, however, there's a sale on Joel Osteen. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I like that she made the purchase because her mom wasn't thrilled. So she's just like, uh, that's enough to warrant a bad review. Right. But yeah, it's uh, uh, the fun part about his talks is he when he starts the series, he doesn't even say God for like the first two or so or three. So if someone in his, he just talks about the first cause. And, yeah. And no, I think that's important. The first mover. Yeah. So the if, unmoved mover. Right. So if someone brings up, says God, he just stops. He's like, whoa, whoa, we're not talking about God. What are you talking about? Did someone talk about God? No one said that. Like, yeah, take that person. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's well, and that's important, and, and I don't know. Sometimes I think that gets downplayed. I don't know if that's kind of an American thing or part of like Protestantism and Puritanism. But like, if you were to ask the question, if "There's a God," people are like, "Of course, there's a God. Can't you feel it?" Yeah, and you know, I mean, it's a valid question, and you really should be able to answer it. And you, you know, you probably should have asked it at some point. Um, right. You know, I mean, it's it's good to have faith from the beginning, but you you do need to be able to understand that there's a God, not just because, you know, your parents told you there was. Right. And yeah, we, that's another, like we were saying, we get so obsessed with trying to think of the smartest things that we 
sometimes just forget to talk about the basics. Right. But this yeah. is a good book for the basics, basically. Oh yeah, it's great. It just the because it's the initial one, so it's like the starter. Have you okay? Re- so that's going deeper by it's it's by Leo Severino and it's put out by who? Uh, Ignatius. Ignatius Press. Okay, oh. and don't let that deter you. They put out a lot of good books. <laughs> you say that every time. Another. I'm looking through, and the one I flew through last year is also Ignatius, but that's Frank Sheed, Theology and Sanity. Yes, I, I haven't f- read it. I've read another Frank Sheed book, and I I recommend Frank Sheed like without reserve. But what were you gonna say? Oh, this one, it's almost 500 pages. Don't let that deter you because I, like, I flew through it. It's the way he writes, it's so, it's so, like, uh, uh, intelligently simple. Yes. No, he had a gift. And, like, because we really don't have any great theologians, especially writers right now. And, but, like, of the last, you know, few decades, he's just in a league of his own. I mean, to, to to read it and realize that he, you know, he was writing, what, in the 70s? Uh, I think so. I don't have the... It was definitely, yeah, I mean, it was definitely after, like, the asteroid went off. And, you know, you've got everyone going crazy. And then you have Frank Sheed just writing these masterpieces. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, it definitely, you know, he's just a, a gift. And his works, I've read A Map of Life by him. And then, which is a short, quick read that's good. If your parish has like a stand of those free Catholic books, it's probably back there. Um, but, uh, I mean, and I've read bits and pieces of the other ones, theology mm-hmm. and, for beginners, theology and sanity. And what's like the premise? Uh, of the book? Theology and sanity, Zach. No. Uh, the premise is I hold on I can read it for you the back says one of Sheed's most popular books this is the ideal volume for helping the layman to take a more active role in the church by showing him the practical aspects of theology and the role it has in the life of Christian believers So, yeah, so it's kind of, it. one of the quotes I have in my memo pad in my phone that I really liked, he says, to reveal and then leave men with nothing but their best guess as to all that is contained in his communication would frustrate his purpose in revealing. So it talks about things of, like, revealed truths and how we accept them and how we, how we can know like things are the way they are for that very reason, you know? So if, if God reveals something, but then just leaves it to man's man's best guess, it wouldn't actually be revealed truth. So it's kind of those, like those things, you know, like another book of why we believe what we believe and how you can kind of know that it's, it, it, there's a reason for it. That's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of that. That like, if it was just about, you know, debating and and coming up with it, that wouldn't be a revealed truth. That would be, 
like a an argued truth. Right. So it, yeah. So it, it's things like that. Huh. That's cool. Let's see. There you go. Even just quoting him, paraphrasing him, something you know, something salient. Yeah, they uh, some of the chapter headlines are God, He who is, the mind works on infinity, three persons in one nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just things like that. God is creator, the created universe, angels, matter, men. So it it's kind of like a kind of goes through all the theological things dispensing the gifts the mystical body of christ habituation to reality habituation to man so then it then that's where the sanity part comes in so yeah we all need more of that yeah so the the, more sanity yeah it's good i i uh there's there's been few i don't i'm not gonna like talk about the books that i didn't really enjoy necessarily but it for me it there has to be a nice balance of like smart guy stuff and also i'm kind of dumb still stuff so you know you can it's okay to talk down to me a little bit you know yeah like i'm not i'm not one of the guys that is gonna constantly be reading like the academic stuff and then mulling over it because i just i'm not i'm not quite there yet and uh so then like a the the last book i did read and i don't want i say all that and it it's i didn't say that because i i the last book i read was signs of life by scott hahn now i I didn't say all that because I am not saying Scott Hahn isn't smart, but what he, he does a great job of just being a Catholic. I think that's kind of why I like Scott Hahn is because this book, the signs of life, he goes through 40 Catholic customs and their biblical roots. So it's just, it's not long drawn out chapters of these customs it's just like short blips of why they're customs and how they how they have biblical roots and things like that it's just it's it's very tangible like you you can read it and come away with a better idea of why we do those things it those always that's kind of cool yeah it it's and it's not like uh he's not trying it's not trying to be anything it isn't it's not it's not trying to fool you. It's, it's, uh, yeah, he's, he's a very good, for someone who isn't traditional, quote unquote, Catholic, he does a very good job of kind of coming across as one, if that makes sense. Yeah. He, uh, like he's solid in his, he's not a modernist, of course. Yeah, no, but he, he just kind of, he just, he just, appreciates the biblical roots of the church and uh yeah i I, I, that was one thing a priest that i knew said he said you know um there was this this phase where it seemed like catholics just weren't taking scripture seriously and so god went and grabbed all these protestants 
um, and brought them into the church. Right. A lot of them were pretty serious about scripture and, you know, there were all those conversions. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's good to have someone like Scott Hahn who, who knows the scripture and they can, they can relate, you know, that show people how, you know, yes, this is the, this is the church spoken about in the acts of the apostles. And, you know, here's how you can tie everything we do back to, back to the, back to the scriptures. Right. Yeah. Then that's, yeah, that's basically his conversion story. Him see him seeing the, the Bible in the mass, um, a mass that he tried with all his might to hate and to push away. But yeah, it, uh, it's good because things like that, when, when debates are happening about really smart guy intellectual stuff and people are beating each other over the head, the, the hippie comes out in me where I just want to be like, guys, can't we just love Jesus? You know, like, like all that stuff's good, but can't we just, can't we just, uh, yeah. So he's good. He's good. Yeah. You'll see some conversations that are very, very inside baseball. Right. You're like, first of all, this is, uh, highly tedious, everybody. And second of all, this is not very interesting. Yeah. At this level that we're taking it. So yeah, that's what's nice with, with some of those good writers. And so that book's called what again? Signs of Life. Signs of Life by Scott Hahn. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just... What I, what I like about those three is they're kind of all... They're kind of uh, all along the spectrum of things. So it's like Frank Sheed is more in-depth, and but it's really really just accessible mm-hmm. and uh i mean i hope obviously i hope that one day i'll be able to really dig in deep into the in-depth stuff but it just not i couldn't do it in school i couldn't get like i didn't it just my mind would wander and it would become tedious and then i would just go back to not wanting to do it you know so i don't know if that's like more of my personality but I do appreciate right. I do appreciate all of the stuff. I, do, I I just like the um I like the more tangible things, I guess. If that makes yeah. any sense. Yes, no, I think that makes great sense. Yeah. What about you? Any anything to throw in there before we wrap this sucker up? Um a short read that I probably mentioned more times than I remember. It's just uniformity with the will of God. And it's one of those to read and reread and reread. And every time I reread it, I realize I'm like, oh, I forgot all this. It's and so it, short, it, it really, too. Yes, it is. It's, a, it's, it's barely more than a pamphlet. Right. Um, but it's, it's by St. Alphonsus Liguari. Um, St. Alphonsus Liguardia, if you're <laughs> from like our second episode. Yeah. Um, the... You know, and it just it talks about God's will and his his passive will and his active will and and uniting yourself with that each day and and what that what that really looks like. And you know, if it's raining, you know, are you are you united with God's will that it rained that day? Right. You know, and it, it it comes in handy when things go crazy in life. And so it's it's just one to to always keep reading and rereading. So got to recommend that one. I, I'm Tan puts it out so. So you, so you so know get it, it while you can. Yeah. 
Yeah. Gotta stop making fun of Tan for canceling books. I doubt they'll cancel that one. Um, maybe. Who knows? It and maybe it will be a part of God's will, Zach. That's right. What if that's, that's the right. what's what if that's like the final boss of Tan Books? Like they put out these things that you have to conform to God's will and then they just cancel all those books. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. You've got to be got to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Buy it now. Buy it now. Anything else? What is the what is the week hold? Got any quick stories for us? Um, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm going hiking tomorrow, so lovely. Um, my the Uber driver said that if you uh, it should take lots of water because if you have to be rescued, you have to pay for it. So um, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, apparently they charge you if they have to send in a rescue team. Yeah. So that's how they work in Phoenix. Um, yeah, that's how we keep all our highways looking so beautiful. We just the, the money from rescuing people. Yeah, we just sucker out of towners to go on these long hikes where they get all dehydrated and gouge them for their cash. <laughs> Perfect. Well, um, I'm going to bring all the water. Yeah, and so uh, I should be I should be good to go. But um, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm I'm sure there'll be pictures. Uh, I'll take some pictures and put them out on the Instagram so right. people can check them out. Sweet. Sounds like a sounds like a great plan. Yep. Well, cool. I think we we went through some cool books. I know I'm definitely going to check out, especially Leo's book, the um, yeah. Going Deeper. Probably the first one of those I. I get, and then I may, when I'm in L.A. next, borrow the Frank Sheed book. Oh, yeah. When when are you going to be in L.A. next? I don't know. I was checking flights, and it was pretty open for this weekend, actually, but um, might be a little bit busy on my end to actually make a trip, so hopefully soon. I'm going back to Phoenix this weekend for a wedding anyway. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, so this weekend is free, and then I've got weddings the next two weekends. Nice. Um, And so it wouldn't be till mid-June that I'd be taking any other trips. Okay, well, one of these days we'll do a both of us in the same location podcast. Yes, there won't be as many, uh, no, you go, no, you go, no, you go. (laughs) Oh, well, whatever. Oh, well. All right, Zach, well, hey, good work, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back most likely next week. Yep, talk to you later. 